It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Stacy Parkinson and I'm Stacy Trisenkos. Welcome to season three, episode nine. We continue our exploration <laughs> of Dr. Alice von Hildebrand's book, Refined by Love: Letters to a Young Bride. In this book, she, Lily, the godmother, is writing advice to Julie, who is newly married to Michael. So those are three players. Um, Alice von Hildebrand <laughs> is Lily, the godmother. Julie and Michael are newly married. Julie is her goddaughter. Stacy and I come into this situation, uh, two messy middle-aged convert women, wives and mothers, who went through annulments and have learned a lot about what not to do in healthy oh relationships. Right. So we're, we're kind of adding in here. So let's begin, though, with prayer, and then we'll jump into the letter today about teaching our husbands things. Okay. <laughs> Leave that hanging. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for our relationships, especially for marriages. Grant us your grace to be completely ourselves, to know ourselves, and to be who you want us to be for our loved ones. Fill us with love and joy so that the struggles of this life pass away, please Lord, so that they pass away, and we unite our hearts to you. Forgive us for falling short and help us to do your perfect will always. Mm -hmm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Stacy, what does this letter say? Okay, so today the letter is titled, I'm Teaching Him to Be Sensitive. So we are concluding that that is what Julie has said to Lily, that she's teaching Michael to be sensitive, and this is what Lily's response is. She says, Dear Julie, I believe I ended by saying that you should teach each other to see more. I'm bothered by the word teach because considering yourself, Michael's teacher could be catastrophic for your marriage. As you found, marriage is a school of character, but the great teacher in marriage is love. Not either one of the spouses disguised as a school teacher. Love Michael and help him to love you, but never appoint yourself as Michael's teacher or think that it's your mission in life to change, correct, improve, or educate him. I don't mean to exclude all criticism. I simply mean that you mustn't set yourself over Michael as his teacher, for this would destroy the precious equality that makes spousal love possible, and it would cause your marriage to begin to crumble. I keep you always in my thoughts and prayers, <laughs> Lily. So there, says Lily. <laughs> so there. Uh, there's a lot in that short little letter. Stacy, why not teach our husbands? Yes, let me just say the obvious, okay? It's a power <laughs> struggle. And I and I don't, you know, I'll admit I have been there. Like, how can I teach him to do this? How can I get Jose to do this? Mm -hmm. how, I'm gonna teach that man to do the thing. But think about it. Let's put that feeling up on the on, on the kitchen counter here and shine the light on it and examine what's really going on there. You're setting up a, a power struggle mm -hmm. if you're trying to be the teacher. Now, there are, just to, just to make things clear, there are appropriate teacher-student relationships. When you're in elementary school, 
you're there because you need a teacher. You need a reliable authority figure to guide you and teach you the things you don't know. Or even with the pastor to laity, I see my pastor at my parish as, as a teacher. I'm, I'm willing to submit myself to his instruction because I see him as a legitimate authority. Or like a, a professor to a college student. I teach some college classes. The students treat me with a great deal of respect, which I'm always very grateful for and amazed at. I, I love that. Um, but they teach, they treat me with respect because they know I have knowledge that I need to impart to them and they, they want to hear it. They're in college because they agree to be students of professors. So we don't really have a choice when we're, we're kids, mm -hmm. but when we become adults, we have these authority figures. We're grown up enough to make choices on our own about having teachers. Sure, adults can take courses and submit themselves to instruction. Stacy and I do that right now. Stacy is subjecting herself to a biblical studies program at the University of Dallas, and I'm working on a master's in philosophy. And let me tell you, Stacy, I think you can agree, like to do that, <laughs> you have to approach it very humbly. There's mm -hmm. this thing I don't know, this whole body of knowledge that I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm in the hands of this professor. Sometimes I'm not clear what the professor wants of me. I'm not clear what he's telling us to do. I'm not clear. If I'm struggling. I'm grappling with the material. And I do my best to write a paper or answer questions. And then you wait for the feedback, knowing it could be negative. Mm -hmm. And you you humble yourself and you play the role of the student by choice. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not easy. I mean, it, it is good for me being humbled in this way. But you don't you don't go take a course and say, I'm going to tell the teacher what he needs to know. You don't do that. It would not be cool. You would you would look ridiculous if you did that. And I like it. It's our choice. But in marriage, so just point, drawing all that out, in marriage, you should never appoint yourself the teacher, as Lily warns, because what you are really conveying is this. Hey, you're dumb. I'm mm -hmm. wise. I'm going to teach you to do the right thing because you cannot figure it out on your own. It's an insult. Mm -hmm. Stacy, aren't there times in marriage when we do want our spouses to teach us something, though? How do we handle that? Well, absolutely. Um, I was just thinking though, when you were reading that, there is a scripture in first Corinthians eight. See, that's because you submit yourself to this course of study. <laughs> There's a scripture. It says, if anyone supposes he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Basically it's saying anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. And that reminds me of a saying, the wise man <laughs> is one who knows what he does not know. Yeah. You know, it's, we know, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you say that all the time. I say that all the time. It's and, so true. and I remember, and I've actually said this before on a podcast that when my kids were little, I prayed for them, but I prayed that God would protect them from me because I knew there That's were true. things I didn't know. I certainly didn't want to bring harm to them because right. I didn't know something. But I think it just goes back to being humble. Like you said, God resists the proud, exalts the humble. We have to give, you know, we have to submit to, to the teacher. So I think maybe that's why it's hard to submit to our husbands as mm -hmm. the teacher. But yes, there are times when we want him to teach us. And, you know, Pat has taught me so much about the Catholic Church. Yeah. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know 
to ask about it. Yeah, he tells you to stop saying you're barely Catholic. I know, I know. I know, I know. He gets mad at you for saying that. I was like, he goes, how, how Catholic are you, Stacey? Three-fourths, 40%. All the way. <laughs> no, um, but Pat has taught me a lot. And I know that there were some people that said, oh, you came into the Catholic yeah. Church because of your husband, because Pat's a cradle Catholic. Yeah. And, and I was, of course. Well, no, absolutely not. But then again, a huge yes. Yes. Because what a blessing that God used Pat to introduce me to the church, that Pat taught me things. Um, he never beat me up with it. He never talked down to me. He never made me feel stupid. He never told me I had to be Catholic. When we were dating, I remember my favorite date was sitting in front of the fireplace on the floor talking about the Bible and about God. We sat there for hours. Pat's heart for God is one of my favorite things about him. I guess what I'm trying to say is there are different ways to teach someone. So one way that Pat has taught me is simply living it out in front of me. I remember us driving past a church and Pat crossing himself. And I was like, why are you doing that? And he said, my Lord and Savior is there. I mean, just him doing that in front of me, it spoke to me. It taught me about reverence. It taught me, I saw Pat's heart for God. Another way he's taught me was he answered my questions. When I asked him about what he believed, he told me about the Eucharist. I had never even heard the (laughs) word before. And of course, I didn't know to ask. It's not like I'm going to Google a word I'd never heard before. I mean, God uses people to get information to us. It's almost like a slap in God's face if we don't take the time to listen and learn. It would be like, okay, God, that's okay. I really don't need to know that. I know enough. I mean, oh my good night. I would never say that. (laughs) My prayer has always been, Lord, if there's something I need to know, I have to trust you to bring it to me because I won't even know to ask you. Reminds me also of a scripture. And I want to say it's in Hosea. I want to say it is. It says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You you practically have the Bible memorized. (laughs) (laughs) But... I would pray, Lord, please don't let me perish because I don't know something. If I need to know it, please bring it to me. And I truly believe that God brought Pat in my life to teach me, to introduce me to the Mm -hmm. Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Back to the Eucharist. When he explained it to me, I said, you mean you get Jesus (laughs) and I get a cracker? But what I was really thinking is, oh, my gosh, this is it. Goodness, this is it. I had been praying what Pat did not know, but God did. Mm -hmm. I had been praying to God for more of him, feeling like I could only get so close and no closer, like there was something missing. And I just wanted all of him. I wanted to be one with him. And in the book of John, it says, I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through the word. I love that because Mm -hmm. that's Jesus praying for us. It goes on to say, so that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. That oneness, I mm-hmm. in Jesus in me and me and him. I wanted that. I had prayed for that. I wanted to be one with Jesus. Well, how can you be more one with him than the Eucharist receiving Jesus himself? Praise God for bringing Pat into my life and using him to teach me. Okay. So Stacy, how do we avoid that power struggle though in marriage? Yeah. Well, I think you have the right attitude from the get go. You're you're looking at your husband saying, what can I learn from this man? Mm-hmm. Um, and it and there, but it's not always like that. 
you know, so uh, speaking from experience here, I, I didn't, I was afraid to look at someone like that. I was afraid that if I gave that power over, I would get hurt. Mm. So I think to avoid the power struggle, you have to start with yourself. You have to discipline yourself. I don't think I could have done this before I was 50. So if, if you're 30 and you're doing it, kudos to you because <laughs> you're, but I, but I'm a, I was in my fifties and I literally looked in the mirror one day and said, it's time to grow up. Nobody looks at you like a little kid anymore. <laughs> they expect you to be a mature woman. Um, so if you're doing this way younger, that is good. You're going to save yourself a lot of heartache in the future. But you have to start with yourself. You have to discipline yourself to check yourself before you act. Because power struggle. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You better check yourself. Check yourself <laughs> before you act. Bite your tongue right. before you speak. Power struggles are seriously like I. I have daughters and we get into the power struggles and I've, I've learned to just avoid them. Like I get mad and I say things as a, cause what do you do when, when you feel out, when someone's doing something you can't help and you don't like it, you feel out of control. And what do you do to get back in control? You try to take power. Um, and that, and so usually sometimes that's a response. That's a real response to, to something very um, distressing, but power struggles are not good. You're not going to win one. They are seriously, like Lily says, damaging to any relationship or evidence of damage already done. If you think about your husband, I'm going to teach him something, you know, to be more sensitive, then that's a problem to fix. It's kind of like saying always and never. Mm -hmm. Guys, these are red flags. If you say I'm going to teach him something, you better stop right there, bite your tongue and say it's not my place to teach this adult I'm married to. Um, and that's something we worked on in therapy too. treat him like an adult and, and let him own his choices, which means he may do something you don't like, but let him own his choices. You can't control him. If you even think I'm going to teach him something, then there's a problem. It's not your place. Think about it. Switch it around. How would you feel? You know, so I think it's much easier to understand if we think about how we feel. If your husband or if or if your wife, how would you feel if your spouse said that he or she was going to teach you how to dress? Like ladies, I know. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach. So maybe they don't say I'm gonna teach you how to dress, but if they have that attitude. I'm gonna teach you how to dress better. I'm gonna teach you how to act more mature. Mm. Um, I'm gonna teach you how to like football. Mm. All of those things, even about trivial things. This attitude, I'm gonna teach you how, sounds domineering and it sounds manipulative because mm -hmm. you're saying I'm gonna teach you how to do something, be something different than who you are or else, mm. or else you're going to fail. And, you know, the woman, then you're, you're immediately, when somebody comes at you as a teacher, you didn't ask for, you're on the defensive. You're immediately put on the defensive. I know how to dress. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. What are you saying? I'm a child. I need to grow up. I don't want to learn football. I don't like football. I'm old enough to know whether I like football or not. And, you know, if you push that on somebody, they're probably not even going to be open to liking something that they might otherwise have liked. I would do that. I would not like something just because somebody was supposed to it on me. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, in marriage, Jose and I now, we could laugh about that. And I could say, hey, you're kind of pushing. And that is one sure way to make sure I'll never sit down and watch football with you. <laughs> could you come at me a little different? And he would. He would now. But not always. That would be like a three-day knock-down-drag-out fight. So, anyway. <laughs> this act, I think it's a sign of something very deeply wrong in a marriage. So I'm probably coming at it stronger than even Lily did. Please guard against and check yourself for saying or thinking I'm going to teach your spouse something. 
And if there is something you would like your spouse to do, because mm-hmm. you have a right to expect your spouse to do things that you want, you have a right, you know, to, to ask for things. Stop laughing, Stacey. <laughs> If there is something you want your spouse to do, we're not going to get all into that today, but learn how to ask effectively, effectively. That means ask in a way that you will get what you want. This is a life skill, life skill. You can lead, but you should not shove. Mm, That's good. You know, pop psychology uses the word, the, the I statement. Okay. So I can hear all seven of my kids rolling their eyes right now, but the I statement, and it does have some value. Don't overdo it. It's good. But you say some to someone, when you do X, I feel Y. When you mm-hmm. say that to me, I feel like you're trying to teach me something. And when you're trying to teach me something I don't want, I feel like you're looking down on me in a way. So just let them know how you feel. The point is to own your own feelings, own your own actions, thoughts, and choices. And you can say, I don't like it when you leave the drawers open in the bedroom because when I walk by them, I crash my knee <laughs> on it. And um, I don't like it when you speak harshly to me because deep in my soul, I get my blood pressure actually goes up because I'm hearing that you don't love me. I don't Mm. feel loved when you speak harshly to me. Um, I don't like it when you don't let me process my emotions. You know, could you Mm. could you maybe just like play solitaire on your phone and pretend like you're listening? So Jose is really good, like whatever emotions I need to process. He lets me stomp around the kitchen and go and go and go and go. And he actually listens to it. And sometimes I'm thinking, oh my God, mm-hmm. God I'm, and that's a prayer. I'm, I cannot believe I just put him through two hours of me <laughs> rambling about my problems, but he will listen. So then I tell him, I appreciate that. <laughs> then you have to let the other d- adult decide how to respond. Cause you can say, I don't like it when you do this and mm-hmm. leave it that way. And if they feel bad about it for a while, you can let them feel bad about it. They're grown ups. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a give and take. So Stacy, but getting back into the context of the sacrament of matrimony, what you were saying, what's the final word here on teaching our spouses? Well, I think as you were talking just then, I was thinking about, you know, motive and mm-hmm. attitude. And I think, you know, again, Pat never talked down to me and made me feel stupid when he was telling me things about, you know, the Catholic Church, things that I didn't know. I can't even see him doing that. No, like, no. It's not, it's not in but, to be that way. But, you know, right. But I think that some people do in marriages. I think some people do. And, and that's why I said it's about attitude and motive. He you gives know. criticisms on the podcast a lot. And I always appreciate oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Like, even if he doesn't say it directly to me, you tell me what he said. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm really glad he pointed that out. It's just even the words he chooses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, I think his attitude and his motive is in the right place. There was a, a movie that I watched one time that I thought to a line that was said while you were talking that the man is the head and the woman is the neck. My big fat. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love that. movie. We're all all fruit. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious when you were saying that. That's what I was thinking. The woman is the neck. The woman is the neck. We can, we can gently turn it, but again, our motive and our attitude is important. And another thing, right. One last thing. I think that we have to create a safe place. You do. Oh, when sure, we can. Sure. Yeah. When we communicate and I mean, first and foremost, we have to communicate love. I mean, that's what it what love it's is all the about. Teacher, she says in the letter. Love yes. Is the teacher. Yeah. So when we've created a safe place, when we've created an environment where, where our spouses feel loved, appreciated, supported, encouraged and valued, then it allows it opens the door for us to be able to say those things and to teach 
and not in a way where we're trying to correct, but we're just trying to add a little constructive criticism, maybe. <laughs> but it's easier to be received. I don't feel criticized when Pat shows me a better way to do something or teaches me a new thing. I feel loved. And we had to work that out even in our relationship as Stacy and Stacy learning how to to teach each other and listen to each other. And, and, you know, like you sometimes tell me, I know all this stuff. And I, I don't, I'm like, Oh my goodness. I, I'm at your feet listening to you. Stacy, you teach me so much. Well, Every time so you're much. talking, I'm like, Oh, it's like, I just cut the top of my head off and pour it yeah, all in. Yeah, yeah. No, you're talking as like light bulbs going off. Like, yes, that's so clear. But, um, yeah. Oh. So have teachers in your life. Will it be if you're not really, really very receptive to being taught, maybe you need to check Heart yourself check. there too. check yourself yes, before but, you wreck yourself. But don't ever take the attitude <laughs> with your what? Say? <laughs> don't ever take the attitude with your spouse that you're going to be his or her teacher because take it from Stacy and Stacy. It will not end well. <laughs> I'm Stacy Tresenko and I'm Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information.